and this is I'm Curious Podcast. I'm telling stories and sharing conversations that remind us that love demands we move toward justice and that we're all connected. This is a treat today because I've replaced my usual intro music with the song Identity from Maserati E's new album, Me and My Guitar, and he's my guest today. Eric Abercrombie, also known as Maserati E, goes there in this episode i was listening back to it and i was like wow he gets deep he's if you listen closely he's he's got these jewels of wisdom and insight eric is a musician an artist sound producer he's really cool and creative he first went to prison when he was a junior in high school. So he was just a kid. You know, we talk about in the episode, those are your fundamental developing years. And he was behind bars. In prison, he taught himself how to play guitar and soon had a reputation for dropping beats in his bars. Uh, Everyone wanted to hear the music that he was putting out. Since being home, Eric is now an Emmy-nominated artist, so impressive. He was an executive producer for the Represent Justice album, where he got to work with some really big names in the music and production industry. He's the sound designer for the podcast Uncuffed, and his music appeared on the San Quentin mixtape. I've been listening to his music for the past few weeks, and I feel like it's full of hope and the the idea that if we come together for positive change that we can really have an impact if we come together for good in this episode we talk about his childhood growing up in oakland california and his teenage years when he started realizing that there's a difference between how he was living as a young black man and what other people had access to we talk about the power of music for breaking down racial boundaries and regaining as someone who's formerly incarcerated using music to regain the power of the narrative rather than letting other people tell the story for him i really loved this episode and it's airing for the first time a few days after eric's birthday so happy born day my friend let's get into it is your identity, but do you know what's seen? And because you are you and I am me, that means we are individually unique. Yourself is the best way to be. Level you are, be you. Level you are, be you. Welcome. Honestly, I've been so excited to talk to you. This is a real treat for me. No, oh, man, I've been excited as well. Definitely looking forward to it finally get to uh, pull it off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been listening to your music as I've been telling you and just sort of like letting it fill my space. And what I love about your music is it feels genuine. Like it comes from this like true place within you. And it's also really creative. It's vulnerable. And I must say, you've got charisma, man. <laughs> when you perform in your music, it's very clear. I was watching you when you performed on Ear Hustle, so back when you were still incarcerated in San Quentin. And just like the video of you doing that, I was like, oh yeah, this is like where he's home. Like this, <laughs> it, felt, it looked to me like it felt really good to you. Uh, and I actually want to start with that. I wanted to start with that song. We're gonna dive in deep a little bit at the beginning. Cause one of the refrains in it, and I feel bad because I'm not gonna do it justice. Like, so I'm not gonna try to sing it or anything like that. But <laughs> one of the refrains in it is that, I know right now things may seem bleak, but it ain't over for me. So I want to focus on that right here at the beginning. It ain't over for you. Do you feel like your life right now is a testament to that, to the inherent power within us to transform and reemerge? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I felt like even my life then was a testament to that. Um, I initially wrote that song after the death of my brother in 2015. And um, I was demobilized for a minute, if we will, um, just due to being like overcame by emotions. And that was one of the songs that I wrote to kind of help me like get through that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It kind of was like a call to action for myself. Um pretty much to keep going, keep pushing, like, right, pretty much, like, verbatim what it says. I know right now things seem bleak, but it ain't over. So we got to keep pushing, you know, wipe the dirt off and keep marching. So um, that's what that kind of was for me. So I felt like even then um, my life was a testament to that because if it wasn't for the continuance and resilience of then, I wouldn't be who I am now. Um, so I would say now is a further testament to that for sure because, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, resilience is key. When you get knocked down, got to get back up and keep pushing. Yeah, I, I it's very felt in that song. And I feel like regardless of circumstances, and maybe that's the power of music that it transcends. So I can listen to that and be in different circumstances and feel like, oh, yeah, keep going. That sense of persistence or that we're resilient. So we're going to go back. We're going to go backwards to your beginnings a little bit. I want to talk about when you were a kid. <laughs> when you were a kid growing up, were you drawn to music? Like, were you always listening to music? Uh, yeah, definitely. So um, music, I tell everybody, like music is in my genetic makeup. You know what I mean? Like my mother was heavily involved in music. She was a recording artist and performer. Um, my father was heavily involved in music. He was a producer um, on a mainstream level several times. Um, yeah, my uncles going all the way down the lineage to like my great grandfathers and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like they was um, lead pianists and singers and bands and guitarists and bands and stuff like that and um, was pretty popular. Yeah, so I definitely had a early influence of music for sure. Like literally as long as I can remember, like I've always loved music. Mm, so yeah, it sounds like it was in you in a sense. Did it music shape the way you saw yourself or understood the world? Uh, definitely, I would say, um, especially like old school hip hop, like. Uh, I'm a 93 baby, so I grew up in the 90s in Oakland, and uh, I would say it's a lot that I learned about the ways of the world, if we will. Like, I was an early fan of, like, Tupac, and we know he was dropping jewels on the peoples through the music, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, I learned early on how unfair the world was, but also how powerful we can be and the beauty in ourselves, even though, like, a lot of people in my communities was internalizing a lot of self-hatred in ways that I couldn't understand at that time, but music was... Um, like power you know mm -hmm. what i mean like the people that were recognized for their music in my eyes were seen as powerful people they was highly respected and um, that was a pretty powerful thing in a place where you didn't necessarily associate power with people in that community you know mm -hmm. what i mean at least not on a mass level so to see cats like tupac to see cats like ll cool j to see cats um like the loonies you know what i mean from our from our coast to the east coast you know what i mean like it was a powerful thing to see people in these positions due to the art due to the craft due to self-expression and i was able to understand at least that aspect of it at a very early age so that was mm -hmm. very influential for me for sure can you unpack that a little bit you said a bunch of things that were interesting there but you talked about how understanding through tupac's music that life is unfair and also uh, an internalized self-hatred among the people you saw around you. Can you, now as an, a grown man, can you talk about that a little bit more? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, the self-destruction aspect with the, like the, the gang wars, um, you know what I mean? Like the aftermath of the crack epidemic and things like that. So the addiction, um, in my opinion, that's all like internalized self-hatred. You know what I mean? That's self-destruction. When you see all this black on black crime, when you see um, like literally the hatred for one another, you know what I mean? Without it necessarily being understood or explained, um, mm -hmm. for sure, for sure, I was the, that's a byproduct of a whole bunch of stuff. But again, like through the music uh, was a way to kind of reveal that and illuminate those blind spots and those, um, again, yeah, those blind spots, you know what I mean? So like through the music, that was a way to illuminate that and bring light to that. Yeah, ultimately, you can't combat what you don't know exists. Uh, when you know better, you do better. So through the music was a way that I was able to know better to do better. Mm, that, that's actually really interesting. So that perhaps you couldn't see it around yourself based on all the vi like violence that perhaps was going on. But there was still this little 
gem or light showing that there was space outside of what you were seeing right absolutely and like at the time again like i said at that time i couldn't realize what it was because it was normal i was just like mm -hmm. you know what i mean so like it was normalized and um couldn't necessarily really distinguish that as being different or not okay because i was that was just all we knew at the time you know what i mean and again me being so young i didn't know no better right. for sure so as i like began to increase my comprehension level and things like that and really understand what the music was talking about then it was like oh snap I'm like oh yeah this is crazy like we are tripping we need to get it together <laughs> yeah was there a moment where you started to realize that like life is not the same for everyone like your pocket of existence wasn't the same and people had different uh, experiences or access to things absolutely um i can't recall the exact moment um, but I definitely can recall like the general years. And I would say that I was like pre-teens, early teens for sure. When I was like, okay, it's different for black folks. Mm -hmm. Like this is way different. You get treated different. We live different. Of course, we got a different culture and a different understanding of things, but that understanding, or should I say that perception is gained through understanding or the lack thereof, you know what I mean? And it was a lot of lack thereof um, that plagued my communities and other system impacted communities like it, you know what I mean? So I think, um, again, it was like early preteens to the teens when it finally started to like set in and I was able to recognize that. That lack thereof, did it make you angry? Were you angry about it? I didn't get angry. Um, until like later on in life and the reason i was so angry because i felt played i felt hoodwinked i felt tricked mm. and i believed in the trick and the trick was not being worthy the trick mm. was internalizing self and put limitations um due to like conditioning and things like that so again based on that's what seemed normal that's what seemed fit for me and the people like me mm -hmm. so anything better than that or outside of those conditions didn't feel like it was deserved for myself like i recall um at like 16 like i, I recall trying to do the right things right and go get a job and stuff like that because i was already deeply involved in a lifestyle criminality by that point but i recall like man you know what like we do got a fair chance we can go you know what i mean like it's up to us and went to go uh, me and my brother for like three months i know that's not that long but at that time that was a lifetime right you know what i mean so like three months straight we was trying to go get jobs we was trying to be disciplined we was trying to do everything the right way and it just it just wasn't working and it was way more arduous of a task than we thought and that's when it really started to make me upset. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, man, they played us. Like, I felt played as a person and I felt devalued. I felt like I didn't matter. I felt mm -hmm. very, very limited. And it seemed unrealistic to even go get a job at like McDonald's or something. You know what I mean? It was like, mm -hmm. that's not meant for me. We are meant for the streets. This is our only way. And that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. And but that began to, again, reshape uh, my perception of reality and totality so it was very very limited for sure but mm -hmm. a lot of that um i can't put all the blame on conditioning and things like that because at the end of the day once i was able to alter my mind frame and no longer believe that and put more belief in myself and the power we obtained like everything changed it altered my walk it altered my movements and now you see what you see today, which is just the tip of the iceberg of what's yet to come. Mm, yeah, I, I love that of what's yet to come. And I think both of those things can be true at once, that there is systemic injustice and you also can choose how do you respond to life. So both of those things can exist at once. Um, and once again, you can feel that in your music, that like self-worth, that belief of choosing like this is what I'll accept and this is what I won't accept. Um, as much as it's in your power. Uh, so I want to get like get back to music a little bit. So music was in your blood, clearly. But is it true that you didn't pick up a guitar, like start playing until you were in prison? That is not true. It was not mm. true. All right. I got to mm. talk to my source about this. <laughs> so I learned how to play in prison. Okay. But it wasn't my first time playing in prison. Nah. So I had a guitar. I had two guitars prior to, prior to prison. I had an electric guitar that I got for Christmas when I was like 13, 12, maybe even younger. Um, I got an electric guitar, my mom got it for me. And I love that damn guitar, just didn't mm -hmm. know how to play it. 
but i'll strum on it and, and do some stuff but i only played the top string like i couldn't do no chords didn't know what a chord was for real and um i just did like hella bass lines did only that top string and then um like a little bit before i committed my crime um with a crime that got me um incarcerated for all that time um my mom's friend my boy richie gave me his acoustic guitar and of course like i didn't again didn't know how to play it so i'll just drum <laughs> that top string do mary had a little lamb or something you know what i mean like but i did not like know how to play it i didn't know about the fretboard i wasn't comfortable with it for damn sure like i keep saying wasn't doing chords definitely wasn't beating on it or none of that you know what i mean it wasn't until 2012 um when i was in old Folsom state prison I, I was just sick and tired i was like completely fed up with beating on my chest and beating on tables and all that like i, I wanted an instrument like i got um yeah i just got I, I got very tired of everything being so monotonous the lack of change you know what i mean like everybody rapped to the same ass beat and it was like a three beat sequence of everybody rapped to this and after a while, that just got me, just drove me crazy of everybody rapping to this same ass beat. It was like, man, if I can beat like that and rap and sing at the same time, then I could play an instrument. Because all mm -hmm. I got to do is replace those beats with notes. So I can go doom, 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 doom. And I knew I could. And at that time, I was in old Folsom State Prison. And um, in the chapel, they used to rent out a guitar. My partner put me on game, how they used to rent out a guitar. You just give them your idea and you could play the guitar for like a couple hours. And um, I started doing that. And I put that theory to test and it, it worked marvelously. Like I was able to do the three beat sequence and just switch up the notes. You know what I mean? So that's what I started doing. And um, people started seeing, like I was serious. People started seeing my consistency in that. Like, oh yeah, he out here every single day, every chance he get playing that damn guitar. <laughs> and I used to take it uh, from the chapel and go like kind of by the laundry to have like some kind of seclusion. And like, man, my boys used to go up over there and just do what we do. And slowly but surely mm -hmm. I started getting better. And um, one of my one of my folks, he was Haitian. He had a guitar and he was just about to level up and get a new one. And he sold me his old one, which was like a $250 guitar for like 50 bucks. He, he gave me the jug, a good discount. <laughs> and, um, after that, it was history. I started playing, literally, it's my fingers to bleed. Like, no exaggeration. Mm -hmm. I play all day, every day, nonstop. And um, it was a couple people that kind of like pulled me under their wing a little bit. You know what I mean? Showed me like the stuff that they knew. Um, I started like buying like packets and workbooks and stuff like that to learn um, the theory of like guitar you know what i mean and things like that i was already uh somewhat familiar with like with music theory period um like i knew how to read and write music just not fluently but i do like still not fluently like but i do know how to read and write music um yeah so like it was like certain things i knew but that really sharpened my tools and that really um yeah had me on point and accelerated my elevation and evolution like tremendously for sure mm. I feel like that's commitment because you didn't have access to like YouTube that you could like watch videos and learn to play like you had workbooks you were like using your intuition that's commitment I like that. Was is it common though to be able to and I honestly don't know is it common to be able to have access to an instrument while you're incarcerated. So it all depends on the prison that you at. Um, mm -hmm. That's one of the instruments you more commonly to see in any prison for the most part. That's one that's less restricted um, if you get it through the package book. So the way like the way you buy things is through package vendors. They have vendor companies and stuff like that. And you can get a package as long as you ain't cutting up. You can get a package once every three months. Mm -hmm. And um, you got the special purchase packages. And that's where you get like instruments, TVs, radios, MP3 players, all that good stuff. And um, usually like you'll be able to find a guitar on there. Um, keyboards, that was like an old school thing. All the old mm -hmm. heads in there that was involved in music was able to have keyboards because they quit selling them like years ago. I think like early 2090s or something like that. Don't want to um, make anybody feel too old because that might be wrong. But to <laughs> my knowledge, <laughs> to my knowledge, it was like um, early 90s, late 90s, early yeah. 2000s or something like that. They shut it down. Um, but the ones that still had them from back then, they still had them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, 
yeah, but the more common instruments you've seen, like like I said, the most common should I say was uh was a guitar for sure. So it wasn't uncommon mm-hmm. to see guitars in them, but it was like more surprising to see who was playing them. Should I say, mm-hmm. like when I first started playing the guitar, people like it, it was it was only a chosen few that really supported me in that because it was mm-hmm. so different or outside of the norm. Should I say for like mm-hmm. a young cat like me who a lot of people like labeled to be like still with the shit as we say you know what i mean like in the mix of things to be going outside of their comfort zone doing like some white boy shit you know what I mean? <laughs> stuff like that so i got teased by a couple people like um all like for fun type thing you know what i mean like what you think you is like man you tripping or you know what i mean but then it was a bunch of people that supported me though like nah stick with that that's different like stick with that and then as i started getting good and they hearing how i'm coming to it they like oh like this is different like oh yeah he going crazy so uh, eventually it made everybody kind of respect it by like just sticking with it and just getting better and it got to the point where it was like yep that's e you're gonna see that guitar if you see e for sure Mm. i want to get back to that what you're sort of talking about people teasing or whether it was accepted or not but i'm also wondering about access to music outside of guitar. So like, did you have some sort of MP3 player where you can download music or was there experience with music in religious services? Like how else could you get involved in music while you're incarcerated? Uh, so I had a CD player for sure for like majority of my time incarcerated. The uh, the MP3 players didn't come like to the last year. Oh, well, because um, you, you've been out only like a couple years, right? Um, I did nine years. Yeah. I spent over a third of my life incarcerated mm-hmm. uh, from the age of 17 to 26. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I did. I did a little stretch. I did mm-hmm. a little stretch. But majority of that, um, like the music that I was listening to came from CD players mm-hmm. and things like that. It was a couple um, events where we was able to do like live performances and things like that. And they was able to supply like um, the instruments from the chapel. The chapel always had instruments, but like, I wasn't, I didn't want to like be faking religiously just to have right. access to instruments. You know what I mean? Like my spiritual journey was crazy. It, it was a, it was a hell of a journey for sure. Like a long period of my life, I was a full blown atheist. Like I didn't believe in God, didn't believe in the devil, didn't believe in none of that. I'm very more uh, spiritual now for sure, for sure. Uh, converted to Judaism while I was incarcerated, um, a whole bunch of things. But um, I didn't want to fake the funk just to play some music. You know what I mean? So I didn't um, take that route. So I was a little more limited when it came to being able to utilize instruments and stuff like that. But it was an opportunity that presented itself for quite some time um, during my last like year in Folsom. Um, they created a music program that um, my folks was running and they had a whole bunch of instruments up there too. So that was like one of my little escapes being able to play like the drums, play like a bass guitar, electric guitar, my own acoustic and things like that. And uh, yeah, we used to go in there and rehearse and we was organizing shows and the whole nine. So that was a cool little escape, uh, having some some accessibility to some better instruments and things. Hmm. So you touched on this before, I feel like sharing music especially music that's your own and lyrics that are your own can be vulnerable and perhaps that could be seen as a weakness in some way was there fear around first sharing your music publicly uh yes and no um so my whole journey of incarceration like i was um writing and performing music like maybe not performing like on a stage or nothing like that, but amongst the circles and things like that. Like I was always the one known for like rapping and stuff like that from juvenile hall to the day that they let me out. Um, So like, I would say yes and no. I did have more sentimental songs and stuff like that, that I didn't show nobody. That happened a lot too. Like when my brother first passed away, I wrote a lot of music. Uh, I was dealing with a lot of different emotions and uh, it was a lot that I kept to myself. But during that like writing period, mm-hmm. um, but you know everybody got like their favorites and stuff like that. Like where they requested, yo, hit this one, bro, gas <laughs> this one. You know what I mean? So um, I, it was always I always had something to give to the people. Should I say? Like I always had something to perform for the folks. But um, it was like a lot of music that was more sentimental. That was just for me, mm-hmm. or just for like my more immediate circle that I felt would appreciate it better and mm-hmm. really understand like the art of the craft you know what i mean so it was some stuff that was for um for limited ears and eyes 
I like that you say though, give to the people, because I feel like music can be something that's a connector. And when someone listening might feel alone or like alone in their experience to recognize like, oh, someone else is going through that too. Did you discover that as you started sharing some of your music? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I knew from the beginning how powerful music can be or how influential music can be. Um, well, let me rephrase that. I didn't know how powerful and influential <laughs> it could be, but I knew it was powerful and influential. I knew uh, people connect to it. I knew it was a, vis- a more visceral tool. You know what I mean? Like it was things that can't even be explained with logic that music was able to touch upon. You know what I mean? Um, I would say when I when I first got a lesson of how powerful that can be, it was a big ass cypher session. So my bros, I had a bunch of bros from like down south. I'm from Oakland, California. So I was in the Northern California car, in the Bay Area car to be exact. And um, like uh, uh, everybody that I rapped with for the most part, I would say majority of them, like 60% of them was from down south. That was from like mm-hmm. LA and stuff like that. And um, we all had like our own little spot we used to meet up at. And um, they, they, they called, they, they group was paid killer. Like that was their record label name. And mine was Get Guap. Like I started that when I was like 13 years old. And we all got Wait, what, so- Can you repeat that again? What was it called? Get Guap, Get Guap ENT. Guap was money. Like okay. large, large amounts of money. <laughs> we got Guap, you know what I mean? Okay. Like that was So get money. And um, we got so tight because everybody used to try to pin us against each other. Cause like they was the dopest and I was the dopest. You know what <laughs> I mean? And me and my brother Cuddy, we was the dopest. So it was like everybody used to always try to draw this divide, like yeah. y'all against them, them against us. But we got so tight, it was like, man, we can't be anything different. So like we combined the names, it became paid killer, get guap, get guap, paid killer. Like that was what it I was. Love it. And one day we did a cypher session that was so big. And mind you, at this time, this is when old Folsom State Prison was a level three, fully active, politics is going on. Uh, riots was still happening frequently. Like it was, it was a very active prison. You know what I mean? Which means it was very, uh, like the tensions was very, very high. Mm-hmm. And we decided to do a random ass cypher session one day, just doing what we do. And it got so big that every race participated, mm-hmm. which was like unheard of. Mm-hmm. Like, so we got, we, we at a table, our table is like right here. And you got the basketball courts right across from the table we wrapping at, and it's a little skinny walkway to get past. And then on one side of the basketball courts is the area um, where the Crips was at. Um, and they had a super big area. It was a lot of Crips. And um, yeah, so people like listen to, us, listen to us do our thing and the crowd getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now you can't even walk past the little walkway. You got to walk around the basketball court which mm-hmm. some people might take as disrespect because now you got other races crossing this boundary line, which is supposed mm-hmm. to be a black area. You know what I'm saying? And every time I look up, because I'm playing the guitar, and every time I look up, the crowd bigger and bigger. Mm. Next thing you know, you got black people in the Asian area. You got white people in the Asian area. You got Mexican people with black people and Asian mm. people like all together. And it just was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And every time I looked up, it got to the point like where they was going to shut the yard down. Like you got the um, the police in the towers with the guns out looking like what the hell finna go on? Because it looked like a riot finna happen. Like that's, wow. it looked like a standoff. And it was just insane. It was crazy. And I was able to really understand the power of music because we broke racial boundaries in a place where racial boundaries really existed in a place mm-hmm. where that was a real thing. And that could end in a very, very, very toxic and harmful way. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It could have been bad, um, but it wasn't. It was real good. Like we brought mm-hmm. everybody together with the power of music. And um, yeah, it lasted for like probably like 30 minutes until like one of our own was like, nah, this is getting out of hand. This is too crazy. <laughs> Like, we got to shut this down. We got people from over there, over there, over there. Like, nah, it's, and, and they shut it down. They was like, man, y'all doing too much. And they shut it down. But we talked about, we still talk about that to this day. Like, we was able to really, really break down racial boundaries in a place where that really existed for real. You know what I mean? Where that, that really meant something. Like, you couldn't cross certain lines, uh, like literal, actual lines. Like, you can't cross that if you're a certain race. You know what I mean? And them lines was crossed. Them lines was hop skipped and jumped over and everybody was together holding each other all type of stuff like it was a trip it was mm. unreal like looking back at it now especially after because uh, that was like the first mainline prison i went to so for me that was just like growing up in the hood that was normal i didn't have nothing to compare it to you feel what i'm saying so when i was able to go to other prisons and have something to compare it to that's when reality 
to set in of how like toxic of a place I was just at. Like it was, yeah. Boston was crazy. Boston was crazy. There was a whole bunch of murders and stuff going on up there. There was a whole lot going on. You know what I mean? And I didn't realize like how bad it was. So mm-hmm. reflecting and seeing that we was able to accomplish what we was able to accomplish in that type of environment, it just made it that, that much more impactful. And it was just like, damn, like that was a hell of a feat. That was a hell mm-hmm. of a thing to accomplish. Cause like if we would have like if we was to just hype if we was to like theorize about that or something, like, man, what if we did that? Like nobody would believe that. Like, hell mm-hmm. no, nah, y'all not gonna be able to do that just because y'all playing some music. You know what I mean? And right. we was able to do it. Maybe this is too big of a question, but what's your understanding or theory around why the racial boundaries are so strong in prison or at least in that prison that you were in um multiple reasons um i feel like in my opinion not saying this is fact or fiction mm-hmm. um but in my opinion i feel like it started um due to authority figures me personally i think it was one of those divide and conquer methods you got to mm. think about it um the incarcerated people outnumber um the authoritative figures tremendously I think it's like every two officers have um, dominion over, mm. I think, 50 incarcerated people or something like that. Wow. Two people can't control 50 people. Right. There ain't enough bullets in the gun to do that. Mm. So the best way to for them to control us is to get us to focus on each other and draw that line in the sand and be able to get us to control ourselves. But ultimately, mm. focus on each other as enemies and not focusing on them as an enemy or as a person that can uh, mess up our life if we would. Even though we all have that understanding, but the focus is more prioritize to the opposing party on the other line of the sand if we will yeah and i think on their end that was genius because clearly it worked marvelously people Mm -hmm. so distracted that we can't even focus on that we all being oppressed by the same person and if we was to come together we'll see massive differences in the structural design of prison period Mm -hmm. um but i think due to um, past actions and certain things that can't be taken back due to the, that origin of divide and conquer um, has just been exacerbated to a point where it is what we see today. Mm, and I think sadly, what you're describing is not just something that's in prison. This is like a long history of divide in order to oppress. Okay. <laughs> so I want to talk about the San Quentin mixtape. Uh, and my saying this right is it David Jossie? Is that how you say his last name? That's my dog, David yeah. Jossie. <laughs> he's, he's like, I feel like a little bit of a celebrity to me as well, like you, just because of ear hustle. So, like, when I hear all these names, I was like, oh my God, these are like my versions of celebrities. So, <laughs> you guys put together the San Quentin mixtape. Tell me what that is and why it was important for you guys to do that. Definitely. So, I, I, I don't want to claim any credit. Um, for putting it together. I feel like Um, I was a participant for sure. And I was honored and blessed to be a part of that, but they already had it organized and rocking long before I got there. Um, But like I said, I definitely feel blessed and fortunate enough to be a part of it for sure, for sure. And I think one of the biggest things um, that was the outcome of that was showing how powerful we are. And by we, I mean the community of the currently and formerly incarcerated people. Um, I think when a person becomes incarcerated, they immediately get a stigma attached to them. And I think these stigmas are fueled by a bunch of implicit biases. It's a bunch, like, again, people can't combat what they don't know exists. And you got to fill in the blanks with your imagination or mis- misguided information. You know what I mean? And I think based on the way that the media, especially, um stigmatizes and sensationalizes incarcerated people to be violent ignorant stupid uneducated all these different things people create their own perception and assumption of what it means to be an incarcerated person and what that looks like so i think um one of the things that the san quentin mixtape was able to accomplish was to obliterate that viewpoint and really show that we worthy, really show that we normal, show our show that we human. You know what I mean? I think a bunch of people don't think of humans, don't think of regular people when they think of the people that's incarcerated. They think of monsters, they think of scum of the scum of the earth. They don't think of uncles, brothers, cousins, fathers. You know what I mean? They don't think of friends. They don't think of normal people. And I understand why I just strongly disagree with it. So I think this was 
an excellent viewpoint that wasn't necessarily being given. Mm-hmm. And I think um, it was an excellent opportunity for people to at least spark an interest in understanding what it's like for people that's incarcerated and spark that interest to combat their own perception and viewpoints and want to learn more. So I think I think it was a job well done for sure, for sure. And also show like the talent, you know what I mean? The talent I feel is very important because with that talent comes a lot of influence. Mm. And I think the influence is extremely important because with that influence, we could create change. Yeah. And again, it's a lot of change that could come. It's a lot of change that needs to come. Mm. Um, so I think that was an excellent, an excellent ploy for sure. Because basically the contributors and musicians were a lot of incarcerated people that were on this mixtape, including Everybody you. Was. Right. Was. It, it was recorded and produced in San Quentin. Mm. So everybody, everybody that was a part of this project was incarcerated and recorded in that little room in San mm. Quentin. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of wild to me. And also as you're talking, it's sad that I, I connect to the fact that you're like people, this sort of changes the narrative. Um, Cause what I always talk about my story of when I first started writing letters to people who were incarcerated, my reaction was surprise, which is embarrassing. My reaction was surprise. Like I developed these beautiful friendships and relationships and connections and met, like you said, parents and children, you know, siblings, uncles, human beings. Cause that's, <laughs> that's what everyone is human beings, but it is so sensationalized by the media and growing up, how I did not knowing someone who was incarcerated, that was just sort of the narrative. And it's a shame and, and that's not okay. It's not okay that that was what I accepted or what I didn't push back on. Um, and that, But that's why what you're doing matters. And I think, because Rolling Stone interviewed you um, and you said, we're regaining the power of the narrative. Is that what you mean? Like getting to really tell the story Absolutely. in your own way? 100%, 100%, absolutely, again. Um people that actually have the lived experience aren't the ones who control the narrative. It's a bunch of the people within um, who, who control the media. You know what I mean? And they give people entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's entertaining to see for other people that don't have to experience this or understand yeah. how traumatic the experience is. It's entertainment for them mm-hmm. to see somebody get raped in a shower, to see a riot go on, to see somebody in debt and have to do something crazy and fight for their life. Like that's entertainment for people. Mm-hmm. And I get it, you know what I mean? But I think it's a matter of um, agreeing versus understanding. Like I understand it, I just strongly disagree right. with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it is good TV, I see. It's like a train crash, you know what I mean? You can't turn, you can't look away. Don't <laughs> want it to happen, don't want to see it, but it's so hard to look away. Mm-hmm. So, but the reality of it is we need to look away. We need to change what the hell we looking at or change what the hell, or how we see it. Change mm-hmm. how the hell we see what we look, looking at. You know what I mean? Cause that ain't entertaining at all when you are living in it. Mm-hmm. And I think once again, there's a history of that being seen used as entertainment. Uh, and like you said, you look at all the TV shows that are based around this premise. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about, because you're, you're using music in a different way. And I feel like, at least in part, your music is rooted in a sense of hope and unity, like sort of what's possible if we come together for the good. So your song on the mixtape is called Break the Mold, which I feel like that song has that energy to it. Can you talk about the story behind that of how that song emerged? Absolutely. So um, Break the Mode, I wrote that in, well, I wrote the first verse in 2015. Um, It was about to be a riot in the prison I was at at the time um, over some dumbass politics. So the politics get get pretty stupid at times. In my opinion, this was um, one of the more stupid reasons. Um, So it was a a white man that was part of a black gang. And one thing, like with the white politics, like you can't do that. You know what I mean? You can't be a white man around black. Like that's not gonna fly with them. Um, so they was pretty much like hand him over. You know what I mean? Like let us handle our business. And the people that he rocked with was like, hell no, <laughs> like, we not doing that. Like it wasn't finna fly. So it was, it was finna be a riot. And I just remember seeing so many people I never seen before. Like I was outside, I go to the, I was going to the yard at that time, like every day, every night, like I was outside, you know what I mean? And this was a um, more loose prison in comparison to some of the ones that I've been to. So for me, this was somewhat of a getaway 
from the reality of how strict prison can be. Um, and I mean more so in like the strictness that we place upon ourselves for survival. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, so this was this was uh, again just a less stricter prison. This was a lower level yard. This was my first time on a level two. Didn't last too long. Only last like ten months. I wasn't ready. <laughs> um, wasn't where I where I needed to be in my journey. Um, but uh, yeah, and I remember coming outside, and because it was it was about it was supposed to go up. It was supposed to be a ride, and I remember coming outside. And just seeing so many people that I've never seen, never knew they was even here at this prison. It was like, damn, like this is what it took for everybody to come together. Mm. And violence. This is what it took. It took something extremely destructive and toxic to bring everybody together. Luckily, fortunately for everybody, it didn't didn't nothing happen. Um, it wasn't a riot. We was able to come to um I would whoever was talking was able to come to an agreement. Um, and pretty much diffused the situation. And I remember just going back to my bunk that night and just thinking, like, it, it just had me fucked up. I was just like, damn, like, this is what it took to get us all together. Like, if we was to utilize this same power and come together to, and utilize the power of unity this kind of same way for anything yeah. different, like, we could have made a change. Like, let's say we wanted better food and we all came together like that, all the races, because it was it was all races that I've seen that I ain't never seen before. It wasn't just black folks that I ain't never seen before. Like, I never seen that Mexican dude. I never seen that white dude because Mexicans and whites, they click up against the blacks. Mm. So it was like, damn, I ain't never seen hella people out here. You know what I mean? I was just thinking like, damn, if we would have all came together like all races for anything else, for something progressive. Like we could have got some mm. shit done. Yeah. And I was just like, damn, we need to break the mold. And mm. then. Uh, just start writing. I start, start playing, start strumming, found a cool little melody, and then just start putting it together. But at that time, um, I had a feature with my bro, with my bro Bap. He was on the original version of Break the Mold. So I only had one verse, and he had the second verse. And um, when I got to San Quentin, it was already some people that I knew up there. So my name spread like real fast. Like my first day up there after getting my property, like I shut the yard down because everybody put me on the spot. Like, like literally as soon as I got there, everybody was like, oh, he right. He go crazy. Like watch when he get his guitar. Watch when he get his guitar. So everybody was like already um, like, like anticipating what I was going to do. So yeah. when I finally did it, um, it shut everything down. And David Jazzy was one of the cats that everybody off the bat was like, you need to meet Jazzy. You need mm. to meet Jazzy. Like, I'm going to introduce you to Jazzy. And uh, it was like day three. And um, I met Jazzy. He, mm. he he actually had a performance. It was an event going on in the chapel. And um, like literally, right? Got off the stage from performing. I was with my partner, Boo. Boo bold ass. He just rock up to him. <laughs> like right <laughs> fresh off the stage. Like, hey, come here. Hey, hella big. So grab him. He like, hey man, I need you to, uh, I need you to meet my boy. So we get to chopping it up, and we take a step outside, and I, I have my guitar with me everywhere. That was my Siamese twin. Like, if I go to a class, if I go to chow, like my guitar is with me. You know what I mean? I was with me twenty four seven. So we get to chopping it up, and he like, man, let me hear something. So uh, the one that I had that was hot on the yard at that time, it wasn't necessarily like progressive music, but it was real. It was a song I got called Risky Business. And that's out right now, too. That's um, on the EP, Just Me and My Guitar. Um, but Risky Business was the one that I showed him. And he was like, oh, yeah, we got to get it. We got to get it. And then that's when he started telling me about the mixtape. And I was like, oh, bro, I got something perfect for that. Like, for sure. Like, when he started breaking down, like, the concept and what we can do with it. And I showed him Break the Mold. And as soon as I showed him that, he was like, bro, we got to go to the studio. Mm. And the next day, we was in the studio recording Break the Mold. Ah. And um I, I showed him that I only had that one verse. He was like, bro, you got to write another verse. So right there on the spot, <laughs> wrote another verse, and, and we knocked it out. And mm. the rest was history. Ah, oh, I love that. Uh, and you, again, it, it goes back to that, the, the power of you're saying, like, what happens if we come together for good rather than this divide and conquer? Uh, right. that, yeah, you can harness that energy in a totally new way. Um, in fact, and I, it might be from the song Metamorphosis, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I just pulled out a few lines that I like from it. And I'm sorry, I might be paraphrasing, but uh, one of them is I want to bring the world together. Uh, also, if we can get on the same page, we could really create change. And yeah. we're all human. I feel like your your music really does a lot does unite like this sense of love over fear, love over hate. Absolutely, that's from a song called uh, "Same Page." Okay, and um, that's definitely one of the messages 
that I, I like to project for sure for sure that's definitely one that I like to put out there love over hate all day mm. I felt like love would take you so much farther um I think even in some industries where people fear like feel like fear is more of a useful tool I think it's better to be loved than feared mm. I think like the people that you have uh, working for you are playing a position whatever that may be I think they'll do it for more um enthusiasm if we will i think they have your back a little bit more when it's out of love than fear because like fear brings a feeling of obligation and complacency whereas if you do something out of love you're doing it because you want to you're doing it because you believe in it you know what i mean like it's a little different so that's something that i definitely try to um that i definitely try to put out there a different viewpoint you know what i mean that's definitely my perspective on a lot of things for sure yeah you'd rather be loved than than feared and that, I feel like love inspires trust. It, it, there's, it's uh, transformative in the best ways. Um, all right, so I want to ask you about writing a song, and perhaps it's different. But how does it like? If, how does it first come to you? Is it just like a visceral thing? You, do you get a beat? Do lyrics come, or could it be different? Uh, it, it's a variety of things, <laughs> right? Um, so like, it depends on the song. Like things inspire me and motivate me um differently you know what i mean so like sometimes the bars come first sometimes the beat come first um usually for the most part i would say the bars come first usually um but i do produce beats i make a bunch of beats i make a bunch of music it's a lot of, especially now it's a lot of behind the scenes work that i'm doing um, i'm currently working with like uncuffed as a sound design instructor so doing sound design um, with the podcast uncuffed still working closely with the prisons and things like that i'm also a lead engineer at a studio in sacramento you know what i mean so i do like a lot of engineer work as well as um, producing beats and things like that so sometimes um yeah sometimes that beat will come first i'll be making a banger like okay what's this telling me what's this and let the beat talk to me you know what i mean and see what feelings kind of arise and then go off that or it could be something where you know i could be in a car or something and, and something kind of catch my ear more so like a concept or something and now some bars is coming to my mind you know what i mean it's like oh i gotta save that let me see and, and say something to the voice recorder real quick and then come back to it and next thing you know it's a whole song you know what i mean like it, it varies it varies mm, no I, I just uh, i appreciate your creativity as someone who's not musically inclined at all <laughs> I'm amazed but by you what got you the can moves, do. Though. You got the moves. You, I've been I, I seeing your stuff. You dance and then do the yoga and stuff. <laughs> that's right. I can, maybe I can dance to your beats. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's also creative expression, for sure. It's true. <laughs> Creativity in my own way. So I appreciate that. Um, the other thing I do want to ask you about is when you're on stage and you're performing, what does it feel like? Are you nervous? Does it feel at home? Like, what, what do you feel like when you're up there? In the beginning, this is every time I can't think of not one time I ever uh-huh. like prior to jumping on show like without being without being nervous. Yeah. Like I'm nervous every time because I'm uh, I get very cerebral. I'm always in my mm-hmm. head, and um, yeah, you know, possibilities is endless, and within them endless possibilities, it's always a possibility something to go wrong. <laughs> but, and I have had plenty of performances where shit going wrong, right. uh, where. Like literally, I didn't have several where I didn't jumped on and forgot all my lyrics, and now I got a freestyle because like the show must go Ooh. on, so I never stop and be like, yeah, like that doesn't happen. Right, right. <laughs> now it's like don't miss a beat or freestyle at this point. Like the first mm-hmm. two bars was written, forgot that shit, and now I'm just freestyling. Now I'm just staying afloat, yeah. and then hurry up and bring it back to the hook or something. And of course, like nobody knows or nothing, but like I'm real hard on myself. I'm like damn, I fucked up. You know what I mean? And I won't let it go. And I'd be in that place for a minute. So like that's that type of stuff is always in the back of my mind. So I'm always pretty nervous. But after I first start going, like those nerves melt away every time and everything else becomes non-existent. And it's super like therapeutic and cathartic. You know what I mean? Like it's like nothing else exists. So the troubles of the world, all the bullshit, even the good stuff, like nothing else matters but that moment. Mm. So it's pretty dope. It's like an escape. Yeah, no, I, I, could, I don't perform in that way, but in other ways. And so I, I know that feeling. Uh, I think you can connect across no matter what artistry it is. I do, and I'm going to put it into my language for a moment, just to, when I'm teaching yoga, you know, which is not the same, but, you know, you have students, you've got people there with you. And 
there are moments where I'll be like, oh my God, what if I forget all of yoga? And I like forget the sequence and I don't know what I'm doing. And it's like this empty space, right? You have that fear you're get, or I'll give a talk and like, I'm doing a book reading. Like, what if I forget everything? But I feel like in those moments and it's terrifying and it's like, oh my God. And your heart starts racing and you get that feeling. But I also feel like it makes me learn to lean into trust so much more. Cause I realized that, oh, I come through, even if it's not what I had planned, even if it's not exactly how I wanted it to be, I realized like, oh, something else, like I'm like divinely connected or something's coming through. Do you feel that even when like you lose the lyrics and you just have to like go into it? Absolutely. That's why I like now my routine, I pray. <laughs> I pray that I impact the people. Uh, I give thanks for being utilized as a vessel. Um, but like my biggest thing, I want the takeaway to be impact. Whatever, whatever, it, whatever the reason is, it was meant for me to be utilized as a vessel for that moment. Um, I just hope that I succeed in delivering whatever message it was meant for me to deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I, that's what I pray for. So that kind of um, allows me to rationalize in the times where things don't go how I planned it to still believe it was still part of the plan, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And feel like it still was a job well done. So like, that's one of the things that helped me kind of live with that. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's, I feel like as I've gotten older, that's been my thing too, rather than like worrying about the logistics of it, like praying beforehand, just like <laughs> leaning into trust. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have, okay. In a moment, I have a lightning round for you. We're just going to have a little bit of fun and we'll close it up. Um, but I have one question talking about impact before that. So And again, you can correct me if any of this information is wrong, but I've seen on Instagram, (laughs) that was my source here, uh, that you've gotten at least before COVID to go to speak to young people, I think gone into like juvenile halls and brought like, you know, brought some music to them and brought your message to the talented young men there. What what message do you want to bring to them? Uh, So... For the juvenile halls and for the schools. Uh, so like when I first touched down, even before I touched down, let me let me go a little more in depth. So before I before I touched down, <clears throat> me and the co-creator and sound designer at Ear Hustle, Antoine Banks Williams. That's my brother. Shout yeah. out Banks. That's my dog. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's my brother. We 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 created an idea concept of doing a school tour. Uh, one day during a search, they was doing an institutional search, and we was in the child hall while they was running through the building, and we was chopping it up. Just on just on life and things that we could do that's impactful and why and um, it came up like how we both um, was incarcerated in the years of high school. Like as mm-hmm. soon as he graduated high school, he went to prison. I went to prison during my junior year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we started to really like reflect on how vital those developmental years are and how we step into who we are for real. Like during those years and um, yeah, the school to prison pipeline and all that good stuff, right? And that was the goal to pretty much erode the school to prison pipeline. So we wanted to target high schools and colleges. And um, I was blessed and fortunate enough to like do my due diligence and lay down a lot of the groundwork when I first touched down. So when he got out a month later, uh, we hit the ground running. We had over 20 schools lined up, you know what I mean? And we was utilizing the power of the narrative as well as the influence of music. So it's they pretty much was getting a concert slash motivational speaking mm-hmm. uh, at these schools and things like that. Um, and I was a, I was blessed enough to be able to go to a couple of juvenile halls as well. And um, ultimately, one of the things that I wanted to really instill in the young life is like we're not defined by our conditions. We're much greater. You know what I mean? We can definitely overcome our conditions, but we are not defined by our conditions or by our past. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, especially like in the juvenile halls, I was really, really pushing that. Cause I was talking to a couple of the young cats and they felt like, like it was over, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, like they hit this bump so early on that they really don't have a chance. Um, so I really, really felt it was extremely important for them to know, like, you're not defined by this, you're greater than this. And you can show that and be that. And you are that, you know what I mean? It's all just a matter of you stepping into that, into that walk and sticking with that. Um, so that was like my main focal point. Well, one of my main focal points, should I say, because it wasn't like this one size fit all kind of thing. It was a bunch of stuff that we was trying to um, educate the people on. And um, that was definitely one of them, though. Like, mm-hmm. we are not defined by our conditions. We are greater than our conditions and our circumstance of now. And we can make a greater um, circumstance and condition in the future. Mm-hmm. But it all starts now. And we got to see that and really believe that and move accordingly and it ain't over for me yet 
<laughs> I feel like it brings it back to the beginning. It ain't over. Yeah, for real. Uh, I'm going to have links to, before we jump into our lightning round, which is what we'll close with, I'm going to have links to all these things in the show notes, but just for people listening, where can they find you? Um, so I'm most active on Instagram. That's mm-hmm. the platform that, that I love the most so far, at least. Of course, it's going to be something new and better every yes. couple of years, right? <laughs> but as of now, Instagram is like where I'm most reachable when it comes to the social platforms and you can find me at it's a mouthful mm-hmm. at the real maserati underscore e um and it's spelled just like the car m-a-s-e-r-a-t-i underscore e um you can find my music on all streaming platforms um right now i got one pro only one project is out it's an ep titled just me and my guitar um it's a little different because it's an acoustic project it's literally just me and my guitar um yeah so you can find my music on all streaming platforms for sure and um yeah i'm on all i'm on all social platforms as well i'm just not as active uh so like i'm on facebook i'm on twitter i'm on snap i'm on all those but find me on instagram instagram is where it's at all right and yeah i've been streaming you on spotify for the past you know weeks so (laughs) (laughs) um all right you do you have your game face on are you ready for our lightning round let's do it (laughs) um okay so the first question that i have for you is who's the musician who's inspiring you most in this moment um today or like in the past in general however you want to answer that damn Hmm. Most inspiring musician. That's deep because I'm inspired by like a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. So that's tough. I think I'm gonna have to go with the cliche answer and say Jay Z right now. Mm. Just based on he was he was the first to be able to accomplish attaining a billion dollars and the influence that he got and the mm. things that he's trying to do. So I would say Jay Z. Mm. Dream big, yeah. Uh, we were talking about how you feel before, and maybe you kind of answered this already, but before a performance, do you have a pre-performance ritual? Um, yeah, pre-performance ritual, uh, definitely got to pray, definitely got to pray, whether it's a quick one, a long one, but before I get on that stage, I got to pray. Um, outside of that, I don't think it's nothing too ritualistic about it. <laughs> it varies. Sometimes I'm late to the damn stage and I'm the last one on <laughs> from the first one uh, yeah it varies it all depends on the kind of the kind of um event that we're doing mm. but praying is that's that's gonna happen for sure all right um the most surprising or exciting connection you've made through your music hmm i would probably say working with the represent justice campaign mm. and one plus society and arc with scott budnick and all them um represent justice specifically though um being an executive producer for the represent justice album working with like common being in one of the most legendary studios of the face of this planet the village in santa monica um we was able to record with guapale which in my opinion is like a bay area icon that is mm-hmm. a, a absolute legend in my eyes oh my goodness like I, <laughs> I i'm glad i didn't show it but i definitely um like had a fanboy moment <laughs> working on Guapale. I contain myself. I got a real good poker face, but in the yeah. inside, I was like a little ass kid. Like, oh my god, that's Guapale right here. Like, <laughs> yeah. like this is crazy. Like, mm-hmm. and we just just chilling and working. You know what I mean? But yeah. we we were able to um, record a song for the album with my boy Bobby Gonzalez, who's also formerly incarcerated and an executive producer on the project, an amazing artist as well. Uh, with Guapale in the village and if I'm not mistaken we was in the actual recording pod that Dr. Dre cut the chronic mm-hmm. which is like crazy that's nuts you know what I mean such a historical moment in place uh, and that would have never happened if I was never partnered or associated with them you know what mm-hmm. I mean so, and that would have never happened if it wasn't for Scott Budnick so big shout outs to Scott for sure and um yeah and the represent justice campaign big shout out to Kristen ingram that that is a, a key player she is a beast oh my goodness she really on these front lines pushing pushing a real real hard line and um just a beautiful example of what's possible for sure for sure and a reminder that you're worthy of being in those rooms mm-hmm. absolutely it was a couple times where, where i kind of like questioned that like damn like yeah 
am I here? Like, how did I get here? You know what I mean? Like, am I really, am I really fit for this room? You know what I mean? But I, I believe I am. I definitely yes. believe I am. Mm. Um, but it is a bunch of shit that I still battle with when it comes to like the confidence thing and all that yeah. type of stuff for sure. Mm. Like, some people may think I'm cocky, but I'm not as cocky as I'm saying. <laughs> I think that's the human struggle though, right? You know, leaning into our worth and understanding it and accepting it. For real. All right. So we're going to just, this one just playful. The thing that always makes you laugh. Oh man, I laugh at a bunch of stuff and I ain't going to lie. I got a different kind of sense of humor. (laughs) I feel like now you have to expand on that. I need to know. Oh man. So like like me and my bro Banks, for instance, like our sense of humor is hilarious. Like I don't think too many people would get it because we hella hard on each other, but like to be funny. But it'd be times like some, 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 you idiot. And it's just hilarious. Like it's it's hella funny. We talk crazy to each other. It's it's hilarious. Uh, so like I don't know. I I laugh at a bunch of stuff. What's something that's always gonna make me laugh? Damn. I don't know. See, now you put me on the spot. It's it's okay if you don't have an always answer. Yeah. I can't even think of a good damn joke. I don't know. I laugh at it. I'm a f i am always find something to laugh at. (laughs) That's good. Keep some laughter in your life. I actually met Antoine Banks the other day. We had a phone conversation. And I must say, you say I didn't know the humor side. He was very serious with me. But you guys must have like deep conversations. He went deep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So so Banks, that's my big brother mentor guru you know what i mean yeah. like that, that's my bro right there and we definitely had some very 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 powerful conversations like mm-hmm. i'm talking pure power you can physically feel the energy mm-hmm. when we chopping it up you know what i mean like literally getting goosebumps like for real for real um but yeah he he that's that is literally one of the most creative and influential people i've ever met in my life mm-hmm. like literally that's my dog right there so it, it get uh-huh. real but that's also one of the most hilarious people i've ever met my <laughs> i like that you guys have all of that which is uh, what makes a good friendship um okay so this is the last one uh what are you most grateful for right now man i'm most grateful for life mm-hmm. i'm most grateful for the life um it's so many people that i know would trade positions with me whether they in a box or in a box, <laughs> whether mm-hmm. they in that box in the ground or in that box in that cell. You know what I mean? I've experienced a lot in my life, a lot. And I'm very fortunate to be here. I'm very fortunate to be healthy. I'm very fortunate to have a sound mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's people that I know have experienced quite literally what I've experienced and the psychological damages that it, that they suffer from, you know what I mean? Like they don't have a sound mind; they're not mentally stable any longer. Um, so I'm I, I'm grateful for life. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be in a position I'm in. I'm grateful for a sound mind and a healthy body, and I'm grateful for the potential of opportunity of an even better life. Yeah, I uh, I think there's a lot still waiting for you or that you're going to step into, continue to step into. I'm grateful for, that you're here. Um, for everyone listening, just stay tuned because I'm going to have uh, a song uh, playing at the end of this, one of your songs. <laughs> so stay tuned. But for now, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. This was hella fun. Ah, I enjoyed it. Me too. Okay, everyone. This is the moment we get to hear... A full song from Maserati E, one of my favorites, called Break the Mold. And thank you, Eric, for giving me permission to share this. Everyone sit back and enjoy. Yeah. Come together, we can break the mold. Oh, 
Yeah, we can break the mold. No lie. Yeah, we can break the mold. We can break the mold. We can change the world forever if we come together. We can break the mold. Mentally constipated, shit on my mind but can't come out. Surrounded by cats and risks and fake observing, wait and make them out. Who's who? Really ain't got a clue, man. Thinking through a cool man, kicking it like Luke Kane till you see a few things. You see on two lanes, I take all the two chains. Now it's time to change. You part of your crew, man. Don't do the big group thing. That's the method, man. No Wu Tang dudes too. Like shoes and no shoestrings Try to listen but they burn like butane When you introduce flames to the equation Try not to give up on my people and be patient But the reality of the situation Large part of the population can't save them Hopefully they see the truth The reason that I care so much Cause I've been through so much Trying to spare the young From the things I've done And thinking dumb And the scene of guns and drugs in the slums To where you from To where I'm from It's all the same thing just in different ways It's all the same pain just a different place Same conclusion just a different pace So I'm trying to break the mold I'm trying to take control of the mind of the masses I won't stop till the deaf can hear me loud and clearly And the blind see it happen And that's deeper than rapping I speak out of passion, no lie, please fear me We all victims of that Willie Lynch letter But if we come together so much better, we will be I know I'm so far from perfect But I know I can speak for more than one person When I say I'm so tired of hurting We could change the world forever If we come together, we can break the mold Yeah, we can break the mold No lie yeah, we can break the mold. We can break the mold. We can change the world forever if we come together. We can break the mold. Product of my environment, at least that's what we're told. And you don't plan for retirement when you program the blow grams and sell dope. To the day that you gon' ride, swear so cold When you gotta call home, a place where you broke Thinking hope was a joke and everybody broke Thinking that's how it go for somebody like me Just another young brother from the streets Well you gotta see the beauty in the beast Cause the weak can't eat, but we can't leave But how can we stay free? When they like us in prison, when we've been in prison, the blacks With no equal opportunity, go for jobs or protection will come from a glock When will it stop? Some would say never But you never know till you make that endeavor, no lie Ties to the lies, I'm gonna be seven so high Try to get a world of perception so fly that you fly away To a higher place when you was told you couldn't reach it Open your eyes today, if you alive today We can break the mold into pieces all around the globe We can break the mold, it's in our control You gotta let go, it's frivolous, whoa Do better to show, do you something better Instead of rapping them, but they innocent And that's deeper than rapping I speak out of passion, no lie, please fear me We are victims of that Willie Lynch letter But if we come together so much better, we will be I know I'm so far from perfect But I know I can speak for more than one person When I say I'm so tired of hurting We could change the world forever If we come together, we can break the mold oh. Yeah, we can break the mold, no lie Yeah, we can break the mold We can break the mold We can change the world forever If we come together, we can break the mold